Hey, everybody, it's Jeff. Before we start today, I wanted to let you know about a new opportunity for MXU. Our on-demand subscription-based video library is growing every day, and we now have three tiers for you to use to sign up. MXU Solo is designed for one user, so if you're a Lone Ranger at a small church, the Lone Staff person, or a single volunteer, MXU Solo is for you. 19 bucks a month, billed annually, gives you access to the whole library. But if your team is growing and you need to add more licenses, Team Light has been created specifically for you. So now you can provision up to three licenses to access the entire video library. So you no longer have to be racked with guilt every time you share your username and password because now all three people on your team can access the library individually with their own login. Now, if you're at a big church and you need unlimited licenses, MXU Team is still for you. So 99 bucks a month gives you access to the whole library for unlimited users. You also get to create custom playlists, see users watch history, and you get invited to the MXU Slack workspace. And coming soon, you'll also get to assign videos and playlists to your entire team. So three levels of membership, MXU Solo, Team Light, and Team. We know we have something just for you. So go to mxu.rocks and sign up today. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 91 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here, as always, with my buddy Lee Fields. And we are joined today by our co-host, Dadu Worldwide himself, coming from other parts of the world, Jay Desai. And today we have Daniel Cannell after a long time on the podcast and a few weeks from the tour fresh back from ldi daniel how are you doing buddy man i'm doing good I'm staying busy trying to get to uh the end of the year so we can wind down and rest a little bit yeah so we're all kind of scrambling because in well 12 hours it's thanksgiving and so we wanted to squeeze in a quick episode before we all settle in for uh, the meat sweats and turkey pants. So um, I don't think I'll be eating turkey for the record. <laughs> no, Jay, you're, you're going to be eating any number of other things. Maybe you could have some chivo while you're down there, which is um, chiba. A chivo. It's oh. it's goat, and it's like stewed goat in the Dominican Republic is actually really good. So okay, so Jay is sitting on. Are you at the balcony of your hotel right now? Yeah, man. Overlooking the pool in the Dominican Republic. This That's is the ridiculous. ocean back there. That's amazing. You guys told me to rest. <laughs> you didn't tell me to work yet, so I'm just resting. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. So my wife's father lives in the Dominican Republic. Oh, tell him to come over. He's in the capital, Santo Domingo. Uh, you're in Punta Cana, which is not far uh, by Dominican standards. But anyway, thanks for not inviting us. Well, you know what's so funny is my travel agent, which some of you know, Jeffrey B. Scott, um, who's my travel agent now, told me to buy kidnap insurance, and I declined. It was $55, which I'm not against the $55. (laughs) Um, First off, I was wondering what kind of kidnap insurance do you get for $55? Because that feels like a drunk, defunct, uh, you know, like former special ops guy. I just figured for $55, if I need it, I'll get it the morning of. (laughs) That is hilarious. So I text Jay yesterday. I was like, hey, you got a couple minutes today to chat about something. I didn't know you were in the Dominican Republic. So... I called you and it's ringing all weird. Like it's, it's not like a normal ringtone. And I'm like, he's out of the country. And then he answered and it sounds funny. I'm like, where are you? 
It's like I'm in the Dominican Republic. And I said something like, uh, is your your family down there for Thanksgiving? And then I realized, like, wait a second, he's Indian and his family's <laughs> British. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, a couple things. My mom's from Kenya. My dad's from India. I grew up in London. There's nothing Thanksgiving. <laughs> Wrong Indian. Wrong cowboy yeah. in Indian, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, awesome. I was only in America for two days. I got home Saturday night and I left Tuesday morning. Yeah, so you were in Amsterdam? Yeah, I went to uh, Bel- I went to Amsterdam and Rotterdam and Antwerp. Have you all ever been to Antwerp? I've never been. I've never been to Belgium. Well, I love it, Belgian beer, cool? number one. And um, so I got to go to Duval, which was awesome, one of my favorites. And Antwerp's the diamond capital. I didn't get any of those. But I'm going back um, in March. So I, I was going to do a site visit for some corporate shows that are coming up for an organization named Mercy Ships, which are awesome. I didn't know a lot about them, but they basically have cruise ship size hospitals. Yeah. That, and they do un- like literally if they had a sign up to be a come work for two years on this ship. When I went to the ship, I would have done it. It was amazing. Very inspiring. That's one of the ships they parked out in LA and New York when yeah. COVID was going crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're incredible. It's really cool thing that they do. So anyways, so then I felt I came home and I already had this trip planned. So here I am. Yeah. We did two podcasts without you or wait, I know. no, no one, you did, we did one. one. We and then one before that, I was. I saw that. One. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. My feelings get hurt a little bit every time I see y'all post a podcast without me. But I know that the show must go on. That's true. I feel the same way. It's it, yeah. It's not because we don't want you there. It's just sheer availability. Like the one that we did without Lee. It was like, man, would have been cool to have Lee, but hey, you snooze, you lose. I, I know. And you know, sometimes I'm. Uh, sometimes I'm in a place that we don't need to talk about. Hmm. But maybe they don't let you have your cell phone. Like you know that's pretty funny story until for another day yeah let's give it a few story years for another Let me, time. i've got a court case coming up and we'll get yeah. we'll get there after that <laughs> awesome and then daniel you went to ldi yep, i didn't to go LDI. to ldi it was uh it was cool it was a little small this year i'll be honest it was it was nice I mean, we got to do what we wanted to do honestly this was more about seeing friends and acquaintances we hadn't seen in a while but the uh you know it was at least good to be back but the the show floor was a little anemic for sure so Hopefully 2022, they uh, get it rolling again and boost it back up. Yeah, I think every trade show has been like that. The ones that have attempted to do something. Was it the main hall there in the convention center? Was it at least that? (laughs) Convention center. Yeah, it was. uh, Okay. Did I see that? uh, Yeah, Tony Franson and Alex Fuller did the the Chave uh, booth together. So um, I could be butchering this. So if you guys listen and I'm wrong, uh, forgive me. But. I believe the way it worked is Alex designed it this year and then brought Tony in to help with, I believe, some of the, the CAD drawing side of it and definitely the programming side of it. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. They had, I know they had to go through a bunch of revisions uh, for a variety of reasons just because of things kept changing. Um, but yeah, looked great. They did a killer job. I uh, got to see them and hang out with them. Uh, got to hit uh, old uh, Zuma. Uh, Zuma. Those guys, which was nice. Yeah, we went crazy there yeah. with the DC Pro team and those guys. And um, yeah, so they ha- handled the Chave booth. Honestly, I feel like Chave and Ayrton were maybe the only two uh, like moving light manufacturers represented on the floor there. Uh, we, we did get to uh, dip into a side room yeah. and see our friends from Roby and see some stuff they're working on. Um, you know, it was, it was still definitely worth the trip for us. Uh, 
you know, I guess getting into the weeds here a little bit. Uh, Shava has a couple new products coming out we're excited about. They've got uh, a Strike M, which is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call it what it is. It's, it's inspired by another current fixture on the market, but I think they did a good job with it. They, they do that with a lot of things where maybe the idea, initial idea kind of came from somebody else. I don't think that's a big secret. It's not like they try and hide it at all. But the initial idea yeah. was a, you know, based off another fixture, but they added a few things to it we really like. It's, it's IP rated, so we can use it outside now. It's got a couple extra strobe channels in the middle. We're excited to see that, that hit the market. I'm sure we'll be buying some of those for inventory. Um, they added a, what they call their Colorado, I don't know if it's Pixel Bar or PXL Bar. Um, again, it's similar to another product in the market, but I think they did a good job of kind of taking the initial idea and adding a few features that are different. So excited about that. I'm trying to think of what else was there. Um, like I said, the other really other fixture manufacturer, uh, big time fixture manufacturer that I remember seeing was Ayrton. I take that back. Clay Packy was there, but we didn't really go by their booth too much. Uh, y'all remember when the Sharpie still feel, came I still, out? I still feel like that's probably their best-selling fixture. It probably is. I I don't know how I stumbled across this. It showed up in my YouTube feed. But the mm-hmm. Stelos fixture, yeah. is it's a laser engine. And I it piqued my interest. I don't normally like go look at gear reviews for lights ever in my whole life. So I did this one. And me, with my untrained eyes... I can see the difference just in the product demo of those reds, the yellows, the greens that are really, really hard to get good saturation with that laser light. It's, it's pretty remarkable actually. I haven't gotten to use those at all yet. It's pretty cool. Um, We've got some friends that have seen them, gotten to use them in a few places that they, they have nothing but amazing things to say. I have a feeling that's where a lot of stuff's going to head in the way we started going towards laser projectors to get away from, from lamps. I think when you, if we hit the ceiling on LED technology, we're going to start seeing more and more companies try and use that laser, which I'm going to butcher the explanation because I honestly haven't looked at it close enough. But I guess it's not, it's a laser, but it's not a laser in the sense that most of us are used to where you have to have a variance. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I know there was a something for a while where they were working on getting through US laser regulations, but I'm probably going to quit talking now because anything else I say is just going to be yeah. me guessing at it. And they had a um, another fixture that you couple with it. It's just a moving head with a yeah. a, a mirror. Yeah. It's just a freaking mirror that spins around that you can point the light at and then turn the mirror whichever way you want to get the beam to move. Yeah, it's uh, like, that's pretty cool. I don't know if you remember this or were paying enough attention to lighting at the time, but uh, Verilite had one of those back in the day. They were they were pretty super cool. I think it was called a VLM. That's cool. And it was just a moving mirror head that you could shoot another light at. It, and it, uh, at first, I thought, I saw, I thought, oh, that's hokey. Why don't you just have something, you know, attached to the front of the light, like a normal scanner moving light? And then I saw somebody use them, and it was pretty freaking amazing. Dude, do you remember that Christmas oh, we yeah. had you come out to Bayside yeah. and we put mirrors in the rig? Actually, that I think is my it was favorite pretty cool. rig. We've yeah, Benno did a good job on the design of that one. Uh, we did the drawing side, but that was really a, a thing from him and Shay. And then. Yep. It was those uh, GLP bars yep. with a mirror and right beside them. 70-something or 100-something X-bars, X-bar-20s. And then we did layers of mirror through it. And yeah. Then, uh, was it, I'm trying to remember. The, the whole upstage section was yeah. LED wall, right? Yeah. I got some video of that. That yep. was a... That's actually the... I hate to say this. That's probably the last time I ever did any like really, really Q-intensive programming because of... Uh, what's the song yeah. you guys did? Uh Ethereum, uh, miracu- miraculous, uh, yeah. 
Miraculum. That's it. It's, yeah. It's the other the other <laughs> cryptocurrency. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Christmas crypto. No, that was fun to Christmas yeah. crypto. No, uh, uh, I was trying to remember. Uh, I had to I had to do a search here. Uh, Brian Vaughn has used those Claypacky fixtures, I believe. Or has at least seen him. He's got some really cool stuff to say about him. So yeah. if we ever have him back on, we may have to pick his brain a bit about his experience with those. That's cool. Speaking of uh, other guys that work for you, I saw Brian Landry out at Central at their live recording. He was, dude, Central, they had they did. the freaking they did. crew out there. They've working got that on knack, that. though, like between finding good deals on stuff and just being able to get like all the A listers to come in and work on their events. Like that's, that's their secret sauce. I think people probably yeah. think they have like this massive budget to work from. No, they're just awesome people. So everybody wants to go work with them. Um, but yeah, no, Jack. Uh, yeah, that's true. Jack Doward, their LD, did the design for it, but uh, they needed a an A two that could just step in and do whatever. So Adam reached out a couple weeks ahead of time. I was like, "Hey, is there any way you guys would uh, let Brian come hang?" And of course, we said, "Yeah, absolutely." So Brian jumped in and was the L two for a week and did a killer job. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, Lee. What have you been up to? Oh, what have I been up to? Well, today I discovered, I put this on Instagram, that the Allen and Heath Avantis will let you change the color of the meters and steps with the amount of signal that the console gets. So like What do you what do you mean? You just it I mean I mean exactly what I said and it's so crazy. Instead of instead of green, yellow, red, you, you can, can make change it, it any number. Why? But you can you can say at minus 80 at minus 80, I want it blue. Or you can make every step red. It's just red all the time. <laughs> that would be a cruel trick to play on somebody. I know. And then I, so I posted that and I'm like, has anybody ever seen a console that can do this? And then very quickly, somebody wrote back, yeah, the Allen and Heath SQ. So not that I didn't believe them, but I went to the website and looked at the documentation. Sure enough, it's the same menu. They're on the SQ. And then somebody said D Live. And then I thought, okay. I think I'm about to get embarrassed because we haven't done much anything on an Allen and Heath. And if we had, I would have known all this. But the D-Live doesn't do that. You can change the ballistics. You can change the speed of the meter, but you can't change the colors. So, so far, that's the only console I've ever seen that you can change the color of the meter in steps and you can create presets around it. Interesting. And it's probably the first time that a comment about lighting has come up through an audio console on a lighting focused MXU podcast. So there you go. This is in inception. <laughs> I can tell you why that happened. It's because, uh, I own an Allen and Heath SQ something. Oh my gosh. One. <laughs> I've never touched it. I've only seen it once, but it's, it's just by osmosis because it's a, an audio console that a, a mainly lighting company owns. It's uh, of course it's got to have cool lighting features. That's so, funny. We need you to just rainbow that meter all the way. We'll start red <laughs> at the bottom, we'll and then it. clipping will be uh, violet. violet. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, nah, man, just <laughs> make it make it the same colors as the Salvation bracelet. Go that the, way. A Salvation bracelet. Yeah, y'all don't remember those from VBS and stuff. Are you saved? I uh, I mean, yeah, once saved, always saved. <laughs> <laughs> this is not theology podcast. <laughs> What's the salvation bracelet? Oh man, I need to look it up. Keep going. Stand by. Is this like a what would Jesus do bracelet? Yeah, but it, like I feel like they gave him out a, a salvation bracelet. Here we go. 
And it's loading. Um, gold for eternal life, John 3.16. The knot is for no separation, John 10.28. Green was for growth, 2 Peter 3.18. Blue was for baptism, Acts 2.41. White was for, for being forgiven, Isaiah 1.18. Red was for Christ's blood, Romans 5.8. Black was for sin, Romans 3.23. Golly, where have you been? <laughs> what the not, heck? not to VBS, obviously. I'm... L- Literally, I have a mailing, black bracelet. I'm, I'm mailing you four salvation bracelets for your whole family. <laughs> so look for salvation bracelets on the MXU shop coming soon. Yeah, we got a coloring page and a free Dr. Pepper. I think that was what we got at VBS. Yeah, I got a bag of goldfish and a cup of water, probably. <laughs> my daughter was getting out of my truck and she was eating goldfish wherever we were going, and she puts the wrappers in the door, which is like a pet peeve of mine. The kids leave wrappers in the doors of you know whatever and i said hey can you grab your uh bag of crackers and she looked at me all sassy um those are goldfish not crackers i didn't even say anything like really yeah you're no longer welcome in my truck (laughs) no (laughs) oh my gosh so what else uh ldi daniel i know everybody always hangs out at the circle bar you know uh circle bars closed what that's that's what i heard what i heard uh yeah Hard Rock was bought out, I believe. That's right. Yeah. So they had, and we. The only reason I know all this is because the discussion came up while we were there. The, uh, um, there was an advertisement for meet us at the LDI Circle Bar, and so I just assumed they were talking about the one at the Hard Rock, like like always. And yeah. one of my guys brought it up. We're like, no, no, no. We think that was bought out and closed. So LDI did their own Circle Bar on the floor, which. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody hung out at it, but I don't know. We we saw everything in about two hours, so that's about how long we wow. stayed. Yeah. Um, no, it was you know I don't want to sound negative about it at all, but it was it was really scaled back this year. Like we we, we saw most of it. I, th- I think it might have taken two hours, if that. Yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of what everybody said about Infocom too. It was right. it was so scaled back that you could basically see the whole show floor in in a few hours, and it's like okay, where can we go? get something to eat and hang out. Cause I think yeah. for all those trade shows and conferences, it's all about connecting with people and seeing old friends mostly anyway. So, yeah, you know, a lot of what we were there for, we had a few specific, specific things we need to find. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is, is helpful to people listening to the podcast, but maybe if at least gives you a, a clue what's going on in the industry, the problem we're fighting right now is going to be, um, getting gear. Yeah. And so one of the main reasons we went was looking for different sources of stuff. And of course we have our favorites like everybody has. Um, but some of those favorites are going, Hey, we can't even send you a quote right now because we're not sure when we're, when we're going to be able to get parts to make that thing you need and how much those parts are going to cost us. Yeah. So I'm not going to, not going to name names, but we actually have one supplier right now that won't even send us quotes. Um, you know, some of our other suppliers are now at six month lead times for things. Um, so we went to, to maybe dig into some of the alternatives we haven't really spent much time with before. Um, you know, we, we've been, uh, dealers for, for Ayrton for a long time, but we haven't really done much with them. And it's, they actually are an amazing lights. They're just haven't really gotten real popular in our part of the industry for some reason. Um, and that's not to say that we don't love, you know, all the stuff we get from the other manufacturers, the Chave, the Roby, the Martin, the, yeah. uh, the GLP and all that. But we we spent some more time with our, our, our buddies at Ayrton kind of getting into that, that line a little bit more. I'm anxious to get some of that stuff on some projects because they just the quality of the optics, the color out of those is just awesome. So we're probably going to try and put that on some projects soon. 
Um, and Ayrton is um, distributed by Act Lighting, which is also who distributes MA stuff here in the U.S. Uh, so we spent a good time with those guys. Um, there's another product that they've started uh, um, distributing lately from a company called Just Networking. And it's a device called a bridge. And this is, I'm going to sound so stupid to people actually know what they, they're talking about here. But it's, it's the way they describe it is it's a, it's a, an ultra long Ethernet cable. Got it's, it. not re- it's not really that, but it's two boxes. Yeah. And it just, for those of us that, like me, that don't really, didn't grow up with networking, don't have a deep understanding of it, you know, we take a box and put it here in the office. And then I give you a box and you put it on your network. And I instantly have access into your network. That. So that's why they call it the bridge. It bridges our two networks together. So how does that apply to what we're doing? We're constantly getting asked by clients to be able to do remote work on projects. Come in and fix something in our console. You know, fix something, you know, uh, we're having this issue with our rig. Can you take a look at this for us? Well, we, before it's been get on, a, get on a FaceTime call, ask them to press the right buttons in the console, but you're kind of having faith that they're doing what you're asking. Right. So, and we've used things like TeamViewer before, but it's not the same. Or especially if if it's not a like a PC based application, if it's your your MA console, you can't use TeamViewer to get into that without having a separate station available. So I'm really excited about this bridge device. A, a buddy of mine actually helped create it, Matt Geesey. Um, but it really simplifies that part of it. So we're going to start putting that in on all our projects. So even if the client doesn't pay for it, it's like, oh, you you got an install from us? Cool. Here's this black box in your rack that you know. It doesn't show up on a price sheet anywhere, but this gives us the ability later. You suddenly have a problem with your rig, like Brian, who you were talking about earlier, can be sitting here in our previous studio, network into your console, see what's going on within the console, fix the problem without any other major configuration going on, and it's not that expensive. So I'm super excited about that one. That's probably, we'd heard about it before. It's the first time we actually really get to talk with the guys in person just because of you know the past two years, nobody's been traveling and visiting but yeah uh, th- that's going to be a cool one that's gonna be one i think we all start seeing more and more of over time yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else that really jumped out speaking of that do you think we'll ever get to the point with lighting maybe, maybe even video that you could have remote operation of events yeah i do um i think we're pretty close actually um hmm. i think there may be you know, right now there's obviously the concerns of lag issues or what happens if it drops, you know, and you can't reconnect, you know, there's no one there to run the show. So that's going to be the biggest hurdle is what do you do if something goes wrong? Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm not an expert in this side at all, but, um, well, you know, even, you know, Jay does, and well, and you too, Jeff, you know, we've done, a, three of us have done a lot of stuff with, with the passion conferences. Uh, Lee, I don't I don't know if you've ever done any of the passion conference stuff. Yeah, I have. But um, in a way, we've done some remote operation through that before. <laughs> the, yeah. The, you know, with time code being generated from Atlanta, you know, most of the time when I've got, right. I've been brought into those in the past, it's when they do multiple campuses or multiple sites. And somehow I always luck out and I'm one of the guys at the, the farthest away site. So I've done uh, Houston, I've done uh, Washington, D.C. And they're, during the part of the event where we're all driving off the same time code, Literally, yeah. my console in DC or in Houston is being controlled by time code being generated from Atlanta. So you yeah. could say that's remote operation. Um, but there's a live operator in the room, being me in this case, that could jump in and take over manually if we had to. Um, yeah. Rob Shaver, who's a good friend of ours out of Atlanta, who does uh, a lot of contract work with us, he, uh, 
he was told us, uh, he was out in, in, at LDI with us, and he was telling us there, he does some programming remotely where he has access to a camera in a church, and he can network into their console and program the event remotely. Now, he doesn't operate it remotely, but he programs. And he, and they, he was saying it's pretty minimal lag. So I don't, I'll, be, I'll be the first to say that's, the technology behind that is not my expertise. But yeah, I think we're getting close, man. It doesn't video already do that? I've heard is it ESPN or one of those guys that has a yeah. control room somewhere else? Yeah. But cameras yeah. are are they robo cams or, or I guess they're manned, but it's switched yep. somewhere else. I think that's right. We should get Jeremy Bagwell to tell us because Ross is the backbone of a lot of that stuff. But I think that's definitely true. I know they're doing um instant replay and when they stop the game to look at a replay for the officials, that whole control room is somewhere else. I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. And I, I don't, I, I can't tell you the exact details, but during COVID there was some event hosted where it was, it was like a, it was a Grammys type thing, or it was some fundraiser or something where you had, uh, celebrities like in their houses. Cause we were all, it was in the yes. lockdown part doing stuff. And I forget who it was, but if someone, I, 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 maybe I don't know them personally, but I'm, I'm a degree or two away from from them. Was directing the entire thing from their house. Yeah. Hey, you know who we need to have on soon? Who would know some of this as well? Have we? We haven't had on uh, Nick Rivero from Meptic yet, have we? No, and we for sure should. Yeah, we yeah. need to. I saw him yeah. at the Salt Conference a few weeks ago, and he's you know obviously he's been doing some amazing stuff for years, but yep. some of the stuff they're getting into now with, I mean. XR, XR yeah. stuff. It's just he's it's so smart. Stunning. So, I yep. like I love where we live not far from each other, um, but I don't even know what to talk to him about because I feel like <laughs> I'm like, hey man, you want to go? Eat? <laughs> hey man, you uh, yeah, want to meet up? No, cool. I got it. Cool. Yeah. I get it. You don't want to hang out with people like me. You're way. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is the Elon Musk of the production world. I mean, he, he is. He's mind blowing. Yeah, and just his approach to things. Um, I feel like I heard something about an audio guy that was doing remote. Uh, I don't know if it was Lee, you and I are talking about. It's um, what's his name? Lady A's front of house guy. But he he had. I need. We just need to get him on the podcast. I send him an email. But uh, he's doing a remote broadcast scenario where he's figured out something about with LV one and doing the Huey protocol for the fit over yeah. the internet so you can have a fit where you are but you're remote into the console where it is and you can mix live and blah blah we're, yeah we should get him on as well that's cool i think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that over the next five years or so i mean even the, in the lighting world the way we're starting to get systems that are cross compatible you know yeah. um, um again this is not stuff that i understand at a real you know bottom level but uh i'm seeing enough changes that i think it's coming soon that's pretty awesome. And then the XR, there's that big XR studio in Tulsa. Have you seen it yet, Daniel? I haven't been up there to it, uh, but some friends of mine uh, operate it and do all the content development for it up in Owasso. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about Vinny? Yeah. 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 Those studios are starting to pop up everywhere. They're building them, a bunch of them in Dubai right now because everybody in Dubai has got all the money to build them. But I think Atlanta actually has more XR plans right now than Los Angeles. Well, and Nick's about to work on another one there. They recently did the one at SCAD. Um, we've, 
I, I can't get into this too much because of NDAs, but uh, we've actually were in conversations with Nick about a couple of those at the moment. My thing is I'm, I'm wondering if those are starting to develop too fast. Like I, I literally feel like the market's going to become saturated. I understand why they're doing them. Um, yeah. But I think, in fact, Nick and I were hanging out in the disguise room at, uh, at LDI. But they're going up so fast. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, well, if you, if you make one, I'm going to start printing cash. You know, from, from Yeah, but that's also what's going on with the Atmos thing right now. I feel like all of a sudden everyone's building an Atmos room. Hmm. Well, when we had dinner with Manny Mariquin, he said he couldn't build Atmos Studios fast enough if he had space for it because the demand's so high. Yeah. But because I've heard Atmos on mixes, his level. On Yeah, yeah, that's on his true. level. Which is the top of the top. But I've also heard Atmos mixes that are just trash. They're so bad. I was reading the Grammy nominations this morning. Every year I'll go through and like read yeah, most of very them. Very interesting. And there's a there's now a category for immersive mixing. And it kind of it gives all the protocols, but there's like however many it was, like five songs that got nominated for best Atmos mix. I'm like, well, I'm going to go listen to that. But one of them that kept popping up was the um, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga album. Have you guys heard that? I've heard the stereo album. I haven't heard it in Atmos. I haven't heard any of it. It also got nominated for Best Engineered Album, Album of the Year. It, it got all kinds of stuff. I've heard a few songs from the stereo version, and it's a great record. That's cool. Yeah. Is it what you think it would be if Tony Bennett's on it? I'm guessing it's... Yeah. Yeah. But she's... I mean, she's a great singer. Like, oh, in she's terms incredible. Of just, yeah, she's she's you know being able to pull off that classic kind of duet type thing. She's she crushes it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go through the list. I'm gonna read off all the best engineered albums. Y'all keep talking about yourselves. Yep. We actually talked with Nick about uh, the possibility of us building our own XR studio. And just kind of, hey, is this worth it? Even something to consider. And he he kind of confirmed my my concerns is there's a there's a bottom dollar you kind of need to be able to swing for it makes sense and i said okay well what about like if we wanted to build something small something kind of basic that and i named off some parameters and i said would that actually make money he goes no you just need a green screen and i think that's that that's it i think a lot of people get because it's this cool new technology yeah. a lot of people are immediately jumping to oh well that's what we need in fact we have a this is the part I can't talk about too much, but we have a couple churches talking to us about XR studios. And I'll be the first to say, that's not my area of expertise, but luckily I got a couple guys on my, my team that know a lot more about it than I do. And then, you know, got a great relationship with Nick so we can lean on him for, for a lot of that. Um, but in reality, and this is the part I, did, I only learned recently myself, there, there's, you get down to a certain point where you can literally, anything you can do on an XR stage, you can do on a green screen. And I don't know enough about the rest of it to talk intelligently, intelligently, but that's a little bit of what Nick was explaining to me is it's, it's not, I don't know, there's a point where it's not that different. So not every church needs to think that they should be able to do the Mandalorian and right. Marvel movies in their own yeah. facility. That's probably good advice. Some really capable video guy that's listening to this right now is screaming and right. to himself going, no, Daniel, it's blah, 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 and I'm right. I'm sorry. I don't know. I can't. I'm a lighting guy. Forgive me. Well, but, uh, e even saying that there, there's no difference in a green screen and XR. Well, of course there's a difference, but yeah. unless you're willing to spend 15 million bucks on one, there might not be. Well, I think it's not even the technology. It's not the gear, and this is a lot of what Nick does a great job of explaining to people is if it's number one, the technology is still um, 
fickle. So it, he, the way he actually said these exact words to us at LDI, he goes, it constantly breaks. Constantly. So you've got to have people there that as soon as it breaks, know how to jump in and, and fix it and get it all working right again. And then you have to develop that background content. And I think that's the part you understand. You know, right. Brian, who we've mentioned a couple of times in this, uh, this episode, um, he's starting to do a lot in uh, Unreal Engine for us. Yeah. Which for anybody that doesn't know, Unreal Engine is a, actually it's a video game development software, but it's starting to become what everyone uses for 3D you know, environments. We're starting to use it for a lot of our design stuff. Um, but you got to have somebody that can build in that for it to work properly in these XR studios. Yeah. And there's a, uh, it's, it's not a, well, I was going to say it's not a shortage of gear. It's a shortage of people, but right now it's a shortage of both. Yeah. Gosh, the, the shortage of gear thing. I, I was going to say this when you mentioned it the first time about gear. I know there's certain consoles right now that if you order them, they're yeah. telling people like June at least. Yeah. I, I ordered a wave server back in beginning of August and I just got a notification it shipped yesterday. Yeah. Hey, that that's that reminds me and I don't want to shift gears completely so we can come back to this if we need to but uh, Leah, I, I saw that you liked this comment so I know you, you've heard this already but I feel like this is worth bringing up. Uh, we have talked about Lumu light meters. Yes. Oh, I saw, I saw yeah, your a post. a variety of different uh, MXU things. We've talked about it on the you know, Slack channel, the Facebook page. I, I don't know if we've talked about them at all on uh, a podcast. I don't think so. You know, we've talked about the live a bit, events a little bit, but uh, you know, I've brought them up before and said like, hey, there's this light meter that can plug into your phone because I'm very hesitant to recommend any certain products because every everybody can have an issue at some point. So I don't want to get out and say, hey, this is the thing you need to use and people go buy it and not work well, especially if I don't have a direct relationship with the company. Some of the companies we have direct relationships with I feel a little more at ease saying, hey, yeah, this is great. Buy it. The Lumen light meters, uh, for anybody that doesn't know what it is, it's a little tiny, about the size of a quarter uh, thing that goes plugs into your iPhone. And you can use it as a light meter. And when they first came out, I don't know, four, five, six, eight years ago, I was real hesitant to use them because I'm thinking it, it can't be good. Uh, well, you mentioned Tony Franson earlier. Tony and I were doing a show together a couple of years ago, and he had his Lumu meter. I had my... 2000 some odd dollars worth of Sekonic meters and we did a comparison and the Lumu wouldn't do everything my Sekonics did but it was close enough like the, me- the measures uh, measurements were pretty dead on um, and it did all the basic stuff you need it did color measurement or, uh, it did uh, illuminance measurement and that really sold me on them and they only cost I want to say 400 bucks so like for the attachment to the phone for the attachment to the phone so you got to have the phone but that competed with the $2,500 worth of Sekonic meters I was carrying with me. Yeah. $1,500 for a color meter and another seven or 800 bucks for a, a light meter. Um, so we ordered four for the company in uh, April, maybe? Yeah. March, March, April, May this year sometime. And then did not hear a thing. Completely ghosted us. We tried to follow up with emails, got no replies. And I was thinking it was just us, maybe. And some other people posted on uh, MXU, uh, one of the pages, like, hey, the guys have kind of talked about these. They didn't name it by name, but we're pretty sure this is what we're talking about. Just in case that's what we're talking about. And someone, some other people had, had the same situ- same experience I did. Uh, they'd ordered them, and then nothing. Yeah. And that, I was like, man, that's exactly why I don't recommend this. Anything yep. that I'm not real familiar with. Well, great news. We got a notification from the company just yesterday or the day before that our meters have shipped. So is that great many, news though? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so considering they already had our money and we couldn't recoup it. Yeah. 
it's it's relieving yeah. news because it is great news to me because they are great meters. So I wish they would would have replied also with a "Hey, we're sorry. Here's what happened. Here's why." Would have been nice responding. to have a little communication in the meantime. Yeah, it would. At the same time, I'm through COVID. I'm trying to extend as much grace to people as possible because I've gotten some extended to me. You know, where I think we all you know have situations where we're not able to operate in the way we're we're used to. Um. So I will follow up again later once we actually get them in hand. But at least want to share that. That's good news. Supposedly they're shipping, and supposedly we'll have them soon. I saw somebody said they ordered one around the same time as you, and they got one like not much longer after, like a month or two. So it just seems like super inconsistent. Yeah, or a quantity thing. Well, since you ordered four, people that ordered it through Amazon or B and H had no problem getting them because they were in stock. People that ordered direct from a company like us are the ones that have had the issues. The other thing yeah. I think we're going to see is, well, I kind of know uh, know this to be the case for some manufacturers, unfortunately. With um, manufacturing a piece of gear with you know hundreds of different components in it or different types of materials, if you have your supply chain set up for a product, say moving light, let's we'll make, make one up, and mm-hmm. one of those pieces in that fixture was made by X company in this country. Well, because of COVID and problems happen and they have to switch, maybe they have skipped some testing or some reliability and they start throwing it in this piece of gear. And then all of a sudden, that piece of gear made from this date to this date has a problem. So mm-hmm. we're seeing that now in certain areas and it's not great. But the companies are in terrible positions. Like, what are they supposed to do? You know? Yeah. We have seen that a ton, and uh, I want to be careful about the way I say this because right. I don't want to get in trouble. The, um, we were having a discussion the other day, and I think we we all know there's there's certain brands that are maybe more value based that you can save some money on, but when you purchase things from those brands, you kind of expect to have some more issues. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the other brands you pay a, a higher premium for, that where it's usually a maybe that's more refined piece of equipment and you can kind of go into it knowing you're going to have less chance of issues on new purchases well the value-based companies we haven't seen much change in right the other companies the higher end companies we're now having similar rates of return as the value-based companies. i know it's crazy that's what i'm saying but i think it's because of exactly what you're saying lee it's because they've got 100 they've got the ability to build 95 percent of their product but it's that little gizmo that's a part of the motor that does that one thing that makes it unique that well now that's no longer available or you know there was a a, a buddy of mine who is manufacturing monitors like studio monitors the one inch drivers that he used to be able to get in bulk the manufacturer just said we're not going to make them we're done and the whole like anybody who relied on that particular tweeter for any speaker that was an oem product it was this japanese company that just said we're no longer manufacturing this so not just this company but many companies who used that as the driver for their loudspeaker had to go elsewhere to try to find a replacement and you can't just do that overnight no you can't get it shipped overnight so it's a disaster it's you know it's way more than just a couple of container ships stranded off the coast of California. I mean, this is a this is going to be a long 
slog to get back to any sense of normal. We had a, a, a banner year for 2021. I'm worried how we're going to make money as a company for the first six months of 2022. Because I don't know that we can get product to sell. I mean, granted, we still have mm-hmm. a rental division. We can still design events. We can still go do events. But sales and install has definitely been the, the driving force behind the growth of the company. And I think we're going to stall out for a period of time here. We'll be fine. Luckily, you know, we've, we've been smart uh, with some decisions we made. Uh, but yeah, it's, we're, I think industry-wide, we're about to enter a struggle. And, um, you know, for, for end users that are listening, my, my thing to you guys would be say, you know, whether it's your, you know, just your sales companies you're dealing with, like, you know, even the big box sale places like the, the Sweetwaters and the FT, uh, not FTWs, that's the distributor, full compasses and all those, whether it's those or your integrators like us, like Summit, like Skylark, like Amplio, like IPS, or the, in the manufacturers, uh, get ready to have some grace for the next year. Um, because yeah. uh, without, without fail, in every single instance, every person I've encountered is doing everything they can to make things happen. No one seems to be slacking. No one's just like, ah, eh, whatever, we're just going to wait this out. Um, you know, it's been crazy to watch what some of our manufacturers have done to keep things functioning over the past year, year and a half. And it's not exactly getting better yet. In some ways it is. Like, I'm just going to pick on GLP as an example for a minute. Uh, German Light Products. They had to lay off just about their entire U.S. staff to make it through uh, the pandemic. Um, we went from having a sales rep to dealing with the head of all sales to dealing with directly with the president of GLP US because he was the last person left standing. Um, yeah. wow. And it was nice. We got to wow. see them at LDI and um, it was cool to see their team starting to, to grow again. Uh, but now we're all dealing with a second wave of this of not being able to get components and products. So, so that being said, Daniel, what um, a couple quick pieces of advice that you would give to people who might need to shore up their skills on maintenance and maintaining just their current systems. If they can't do an upgrade, if they can't do, you know, the next big thing is delayed for another six to nine to 12 months. What can we tell people in terms of, okay, here's two or three things to make sure that you're doing to keep your gear tip top for now. Um, Do not wait until the last minute. Um, You know, if you, if you think you're going to need it, get it now. If you have gear that is is fading and you're thinking about doing a purchase, you know, to have new lights in January, you've already missed the boat. Um, you know, that's depending on what it is. I'm not saying that's an across the board statement, but if you're planning on like, hey, we'll we'll place an order in the end of December and get the stuff in January, probably not. So if you have things that are failing, you need to start looking for spare parts now. You know, you need you need to be thinking, you know, post Christmas where most of us have a little bit of a lull in the craziness. You need to be thinking about doing your your maintenance, your upkeep during that time. If uh, if you are thinking about doing a purchase, you still need to get the order in as soon as possible. Um, you right. Know, it's the problem. There's for two reasons. Um, one is you need to get in line because that's the way this is going to work. Is people are just going to start lining up, and there's going to be a queue of well, you ordered first, you ordered second, you ordered third, and that's how you're going to get things. We've started pay- placing POs for things that we don't have sold yet, but items that we know we sell a lot. We're going to and place some POs with manufacturers just to get in line so that as people come along, we're like, okay, we don't have it now, but we placed a PO for 100 of those three months ago. So hopefully we'll have them in six weeks. Like consoles, networking, things yeah, like LED that. LED ellipsoidals is a big one for us. Uh, wow. Chave R2X washes, which is their little uh, really common wash mover. Um, 
honestly, the two products we've probably sold the most of is per, in per units is LED ellipsoidals for key light and yep. Chave R2X washes. Um, hmm. Daniel, let me let me ask you this though. Like, so most churches, on the average, that either have volunteer lighting ops or you know uh, a one man show type scenario, might not. I know that when I was in that boat in like twenty years ago, I was the only guy on staff that was technical at a church. I wouldn't even know where to start with maintenance. Like I wouldn't know what the maintenance was. Um, you know, that's a great question, and and unfortunately, to get really do a deep dive on that, you'd have to know more of the, about the specific system. So, are you running an older system that has dimmers, sure. and you still have to replace bulbs? Um, if that's the case, I would go stock up on bulbs. Have a surplus. Don't don't expect that you can just order them and get them. Uh, maybe you can because there's not not high demand anymore, but maybe you can't. Um, same thing if you need gel. Like I haven't heard from Roscoe or Lee that they have any problems with with gel supply. Um, but anything like that you think you might need, I would get. The stuff you have, do some general maintenance to make it last longer. You know, if you have a week off after Christmas, go up to every one of your fixtures that has a bulb in it, um, open it up, and uh, wipe the bulb off with uh, denatured alcohol. You know, to kind of clean off any stuff that's built up on it. Clean off your lenses. Um, check all of your connections. You know, open up your your whatever your connectors are, whether it's Edison or Twist Lock or Stage Pin or whatever. Open up all of them. Make sure they're all nice and tight, so you're not getting too much. Uh, you know, uh, resistance there in the connection that's going to cause the, the lamp to fail prematurely or you'd have a plug meltdown or something. Uh, if you're still using a dimmer rack, get a shop vac, clean out your dimmer racks so you don't have any dimmer failures. Um, if you're, you know, if you do have a more modern system that's running LED fixtures, um, I think less maintenance is really needed, but uh, dust is a culprit in all environments, so it never hurts to get in and get a vacuum, get an air compressor, blow things out. Um, Console-wise, um, go through, maybe maybe wipe your hard drive and do a, a, a firmware update if you haven't done one in a while. Um, just put hands on everything and check it. Check every connection. Yeah. Um, check all the stuff. Update firmwares. And then if there are things that you normally keep on hand for spare, make sure you have plenty right now. So if you don't, if you're like, well, we normally keep 10 of these around and we're down to two, put an order in. Don't wait till you need it. Um, that's something we hate. We, we actually pride ourselves on being a company that can respond at the last minute, um, we're getting to a point that we can't do that, not because we can't do that, but because of the support network we have that allows us to do that is not able to do it. Um, you know, I, I got to be careful with all the stuff I say. There is a manufacturer that is well known that every lighting person listening to this would recognize um, and that is a very common light and one that I would never think was back ordered that we'd ever have a problem getting. Uh, we got quoted six month lead time yesterday on some um so just just you know don't assume you can get it like you used to be able to get it you know yeah that's really good advice also you know the end of the year everything you're talking about is like cheaper expendable stuff gels and bulbs and things like that and church fiscals a lot of them end uh the last day of this year and your budgets don't roll over yeah so you actually do need to spend what you have left in a responsible way. So go renew your MXU subscription or upgrade your upgrade from a single user to Team Light or Teams and stop sharing your password illegally, you bunch of <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but then stock up on the expendable stuff. Yeah. Like I, I love that. Like if you got an extra hundred bucks left over in your in your budget, 
then go buy a pack of gels. Do something with that. Get some batteries. And you can even maybe get creative with, like, if you have an integrator or sales company you have a relationship with, I'm not saying they would do this, and there's reasons they might not want to do this, but if you have to spend the money this year, go to them and go, hey, we know things are backordered, or check first, obviously, see if they get it. If they can't, go, great. Can we go ahead and pay you for it? And then we get it when it comes in. That way your budget gets spent appropriately. Now, the company may have a bit of an issue with that because now they're showing... Uh, we got to pay taxes on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but they may they may be interested in getting the sale either way. So yeah, um, just just I think probably the best thing I could say is uh, going into any of this, understanding that you may not be able to do things like you always can. So have some grace with whoever you're dealing with. Um, yeah, we have been incredibly fortunate. Uh, just about all of our customers have been really understanding uh, on our side, and uh, for that reason, we've we've you know been able to kind of bend over backwards and do, come up with some creative solutions for people. Um, but not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to do that. So You guys also do rentals for churches. So how's your inventory with that? Is it pretty much starting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, um, uh, we, our entire rental inventory, I want to say we've got something. I keep, I can't keep up. We got somewhere between like 140 and 160 moving lights. Um, there's. That's a lot. Maybe 12 in the warehouse right now. Yeah. Just because there's been such a high demand. So um, sounds like churches should not wait till January to start thinking about Easter. You need to sneak, oh, golly, sneak man. those conversations in. Once your Christmas plans are dialed in, you should start thinking about Easter in December instead of January. Well, here's the other problem with that is, and this, is, this isn't a DC pro thing. This is stuff we've talked to other big rental companies about. Um, deals are hard to find right now. So that rental company that normally has, you know, an extra, you know, few dozen fixtures set on the shelf that may be willing to rent to you for a smoking deal at Easter. Yeah. May not be able to next year because everything's in such high demand. One of a, and I'm not going to name them, but one of a, a national level major rental company we do a lot of stuff with. Um, we were talking with them a few weeks ago and they're not offering any discounts on any rental stuff right now because there's such a high demand for the rental items and they can't buy new gear to backfill orders yeah it's like no it's supply and demand it is what it is so yeah just don't assume the normal don't assume that things are getting back to normal yet even though in a lot of ways they are because our market has definitely not caught up well before um we wrap i got one more topic i wanted to talk to you about um didn't tee you up for this at all so Uh oh lots of churches planning christmas right now they're on thanksgiving break and when they go back it's pedal to the metal for about three weeks Mm -hmm. so a big focus for churches around Christmas that's different the rest of the year is lighting and scenic. It just is what it is. You know, yep. a lot of churches don't rent in audio and video gear for special events because they need it all the time. But Christmas and Easter are the big times where lighting is, they, that's where they pour the gas. So sure. like just take a minute and coach the LDs out there, whether they're a volunteer and it's their first time and they're super excited about it or it's somebody super seasoned and, they're at a church of 20,000. Like, what would you tell them to think about this Christmas season? Oh, man. I'm going to preface this with something I say a lot. Um, first and foremost, and th- this, this doesn't just apply to this season. This applies to everything constantly. Um, you need to listen to the leadership and the culture of your church and follow along with whatever fits for what else is going on. Lighting is reactionary. Um, lighting, doesn't, lighting is not content. We support the content. So whatever is your church is choosing to put out this season. 
Um, you, you're very much in tune with that and then light it appropriately for what that is. Now, that being said, you know, my vibe this year is, so this isn't, isn't really necessarily even a lighting comment. comment. This may just be an across-the-board comment. Um, my vibe is that our, our country, our world, maybe even, is still very much hurting right now. I mean, we're not out of this yet. You know, I read an article the other day that there's been more deaths in 2021 from the pandemic than in 2020. Like, it hasn't gotten better yet. Um, you know, it's people are dealing with a variety of issues. Some people are in places where their kids have been, been going back in school for a year, like us. Some people are still, you know, trying to get their kids to be able to have normal school. Um, you know, we've, we've got other things going on in our, in our community that are, are, are causing stress for people. To me, going into this Christmas, maybe more so than ever, um, we need to really hit on the, the, I don't know, the feelings aspect. We need to provide a, something that is a, an emotional escape for people. And what's always attracted me so much to lighting is the way that we can support emotion and help convey emotion through this as art. Um, so what I would say is going into this, this Christmas, um, unless it is, unless what your church needs is over the top, big in your face, production that's just wows everybody um this is one where more so than ever i would really focus on creating an environment where people can just come in and feel comfortable and relax and engage with worship um and depending on what your what your church's culture is that's going to mean something different for all of you um but you know I, I this is something i would say to always do but i probably feel it more this year than ever of like be very intentional in your choices and you know, I think that's not just lighting. That's that's creative content. That's that's what the worship team's doing and everything. But be very intentional so that uh, and, and very authentic in what we're doing because people I think need that this year more than ever. They need something very much to connect to, something to something that helps them, you know, process through all the the difficult emotions that you know we've all gone through this year with everything going on. I think you said it great earlier. You just said uh, you, were, you were talking about business, um, but you were just saying, I just have a little more yeah. grace this year because because you've obviously felt the grace has been, ex- a little more grace has been extended to you. So I think if we all just have a tad more grace this year, we, we can make it. Absolutely. Now is, I think, a time where the, the connection matters more than the show. Yeah, it's a good word, Daniel Cannell. Good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to say it. Well, well, this has been great, guys. It's always good to catch up. I love, you know, when these conversations go down multiple rabbit trails because you never know where you're going to end up. So we've got some good advice, some good connection time, and you know, some good tips. I think for guys who are primarily in lighting, but all over production. I think a lot of what we said today can apply to everybody. I don't know where the uh, podcast come out, but happy Thanksgiving. I'm very, very grateful for all, all of you guys and our community. Absolutely, Man, I feel like the online engagement. I've been talking to so many of our people online uh, last couple of weeks. Um, it's been awesome. Just keep reaching out. I love. I absolutely love it. It is cool. I don't know. We, we always start off with funny stuff, but uh, I love it. I love the, I love the connections with Definitely. folks. So it's been it's great. All right, fellas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.